again, if you're going to have an, uh, an interaction with the law and you're going to get away with it with a slap of the wrist, how are you going to know that everybody else went to prison for life? Right. And why would you care? That's right. Well, as, you know, it, it's when you get pulled over, what do you want? Exactly. That's the, the same thing. The exact same thing. You know, if we got, if we both got pulled over at the same time, I'm not sure you'd fight for me. If you didn't get a ticket, all you want to do is drive away. Right. You're not going to look back and say, are you ready, Phil? I'll meet you on the ninth hole. I'll meet, I'll meet you at the bar. Yeah. Right. I sure hope they let you off that hood. <laughs> True. It, and, and it was just, it was painful to watch. Again, it goes back to the, the humanity aspect of things. I know. And, and not only that, think about what we did to our children or, or to our uh, children of color. Yes. To treat them as adults. Yes. I mean, the, it, watching this, the, the kids who were arrested after the 13th Amendment and to see them incarcerated for, for petty things and then in striped shirts in the fields and they look like they're 10 or 12 years of age. Right. And not only that, again, how well are we treating our slaves? Yeah. Welcome to Peter and Phil's Courageous Conversations, a podcast addressing race relations and social issues in hopes that you'll be inspired to do the same. Now, let's begin our conversation with your hosts, Dr. Peter Weinstein and Dr. Philip Nelson. Welcome to Peter and Phil's Courageous Conversation. I'm Dr. Peter Weinstein. These conversations started in the summer of 2020, shortly after the murder of George Floyd. And we've continued to have conversations on a regular basis about issues impacting race in the United States. This episode is entitled, How Do We Treat Our Slaves? Enjoy and share. I told him we were having conversations and we ended up actually having an hour of those conversations. Okay. And um, I, that's when I realized, oh my God, you know, I sure hope I don't have to have, do this with too many more people because it's draining to have to. <laughs> well, you know, and, it, and it's interesting in reading some of the, the stuff about diversity, equity, and inclusion, it, it, some of the comments are, you know, you got to, give people a break because they can't be the answer to all your questions. If you're white, your black friends are probably, you're not the only one calling them and asking them. So right. you've got to be empathetic uh, to the needs of others just because you're selfish in your own needs, like I was. Yeah, well, I don't know if you, I, I don't consider it selfish. And honestly, I think that, um, uh, I've been pretty open about our conversations, probably because I've been trying to promote it. Right. You know, um, you know, we talked about black and white guilt, and part of my guilt is is that I haven't done enough. This may be the added burden that I might be willing to accept now. Our intent is to broaden the audience. Yes. So I'm okay with that. But you know, you remember how it started? I'm. I asked you, why are you asking me? Yeah. Now, after I did that, after I was a little belligerent at the beginning, I then felt like I had to, I had to at least let you know, I was only 
trying to uh, force you into understanding the irony of the question you're asking. Yeah. He emailed me last night to set to tell me that they had just finished watching. He and his wife had just finished watching Thirteenth. Really? Guess what? what? My wife and I watched Thirteenth last night as well. Oh, you're kidding! I am not. Tell me about it. It shocked the shit out of me. You know? <laughs> I, it's not that it, it it was new. It, I think the film was from 2016. Yeah. But the fact that this goes back to the conversation of not much has changed. Right. It was predictable. The things that were talked about and, and even the snippets from Trump, um, it, it just, it, it's hard to fathom three million incarcerated individuals, more than 40% of whom are black. And this, the concept that we've gone from slavery and the 13th Amendment to Jim Crow to everything that's occurred to now we've got blacks in concentration camps for all intents and purposes. Yeah, but you know, you, know, you say it's predictable, but of course it's predictable because it, was, it is by design. Right. It, it's, it was predictable the moment they freed the slaves. Yes, they keep and looking that, for alternatives. This is why I paraphrase it and say, we're just having a conversation about how well do we treat our slaves? The movie, it helped explain the statement. Yes. It, it gave... And um, now you understand what institutional racism is. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. And the other, one of the interesting things that I think Van Jones said um, was the loss of black leadership in the 60s with yeah. everybody being dead or incarcerated. Yep. And we're leaving the country. Yep. That, that, that loss of leadership 50 years ago lost a second generation of leaders that would have helped escalate this maybe in that second generation. Yeah, it would have prevented some of the, some of the, some of the um, misguided rules or misguided legislation that was passed. Yeah, well, and I was totally, we talked about the uh, civil rights and voting rights last time, but I was totally blindsided by what Clinton did. Yeah, well, you know why? Because we all thought that the three strikes, even I thought the three strikes and you're out rule was a good rule at the time. But that's because we had already been snookered by the war on drugs. When we, you know, when we got manipulated into moving from the war on poverty to the war on drugs, right? we also got manipulated into, well, uh, y'all got to remember that information wasn't as readily available then. Yes. Right? So it was, a, it was a whole lot easier to say that the real problem with drugs wasn't white folks using cocaine. It was black folks using heroin. heroin. And so by focusing on that, we were able to continue to control the slaves. 
just the fact that the, the criminality at, at a, I mean, life without parole for crack cocaine and a slap on the wrist for powdered cocaine. Right. It's like, what the heck? Right. But What's see, but, but that's, but that's white privilege. Again, if you're going to have an, uh, 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 an interaction with the law and you're going to get away with it with a slap of the wrist, how are you going to know that everybody else went to prison for life? Right. And why would you care? That's right. Well, as, you know, it's when you get pulled over, what do you want? Exactly. That's the, the same thing. The exact same thing. You know, if we, got, if we both got pulled over at the same time, I'm not sure you'd fight for me. If you didn't get a ticket, all you want to do is drive away. Right. You're not going to look back and say, are you ready, Phil? I'll meet you on the ninth hole. I'll meet, I'll meet you at the bar. Yeah. Right? I sure hope they let you off that hood. <laughs> True. It, and, and it was just, it was painful to watch. Again, it goes back to the, the humanity aspect of things. I know. And, and not only that, think about what we did to our children or or to our uh, children of color. Yes. To treat them as adults. Yes, I mean, the, the, watching this, the, the kids who are arrested after the 13th Amendment, and to see them incarcerated for, for petty things, and then in striped shirts in the fields, and they look like they're 10 or 12 years of age. Right, and not only that, Again, how well are we treating our slaves? Yeah, and I just got done. I just got done reading Beale Street, um, and it's like he left me hanging. But of course, that's what you do when you're a good author. You right, know, right, right. Figure out what's going to happen. But again, it's just another story of how do we treat our slaves. But the thing is, is that the import of the that transgression is no different than when you were a kid or your parents were kids and you stole a stick of gum yeah you know from 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 the grocery store or a yep. pack of gum and they and you got caught yeah right or you got in a fight at school right and the teacher broke you up and sent you to the principal's office right and at worst the worst thing that happened was you might get sent home for the day or two or three days. Right. You know, if it was your third or fourth fight, you know, and so that your parents could deal with you. The penal system wasn't involved at all. No. Right? Then we integrated and suddenly the fights became much more, much more devastating. Much, you know, all of a sudden there's this interracial fight and somebody was trying to kill somebody. Right. When the race on race fights somebody was trying to kill somebody there too they just had little fists yeah. they still got little fists but but black kids especially black boys are seen differently they're seen as weapons to begin with they're a lot more black kids are interpreted to be a lot more mature a lot more grown than you know they're not there's no innocence there Partly it's because of our use of the color words, the black hole, you know, um, the black list. Yes. You know, uh, those things have a underlying impact on us too, right? So it's hard to see a, a little black boy as innocent. 
you know, or without malice, and especially if that little black boy is beating on somebody. Uh, and they may be beating on somebody because they caught them in their pocket. Or they may be beating on somebody because they got, they, that person hit them first and didn't expect this kind of response. But it doesn't matter. What I see right now is a white kid being pummeled to death, or that's my interpretation of it, by a black kid. But now when it happens, there's a cop on the premises in an elementary school. Yeah. Because we, we're trying to keep guns out. We're trying to keep gangs out. We're trying to keep everything that, that black people bring into the school. We didn't have to do this when it was an all-white school. But now that we're bringing blacks into the school, we're bringing in their seditious lifestyle. So we got to protect. And, and again, the cop's not there to, to protect the black children. The cop is there to protect the white children. And even in an all-black school, I'm going to have a cop because I got to look like I'm doing it equally. But the intent is really to take the criminal element out of the school. And once I take them out of the school, they're never coming back. So they may only steal a stick of gum, but now they have a record. Yeah. Strike one. Strike one. You know, and it's interesting because as you talk about police in school, none of the school shooters have been black. There are almost no mass murderers who I are black. I know. So, you know, it, it doesn't solve the problem. No. It, it solves the how do you treat your slaves problem, but it doesn't Look, treat the bigger problems. That, that overweight policeman... And those metal detectors are only there so you and your white, your fellow white parents feel comfortable dropping your kids off. I think we started watching it around eight o'clock and um, Sharon usually goes to bed at nine. She had to wait to go to bed last night. You know, I, I had heard it was, a, it was a need to watch. It was, it is a need to watch. Thank you for joining us for another Courageous Conversation. Be sure to follow us and check back next week for more.